Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Bella Solanot, and this is 100% BS. I'm so happy to have you here today with my guest, who is Mickey Ash. She is absolutely wonderful, fantastic, an angel of a human being, and holds so much wisdom and so much knowledge. I learned so much from talking to her uh, in this episode interview, and it was just amazing. We had a great time at her house in Austin. So this was in person, which is my favorite type of interview. And yeah, Mickey Ash is a yoga instructor, meditation teacher, a photographer, and really an artist above all else. She really exudes beauty in everything that she does. And I have always appreciated the way that she brings beauty and effortlessness into the world. And I'm so happy to talk to her today. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. If you do enjoy the episode, don't forget to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcast, rate it on Spotify as well, share it with a friend, share it on Instagram, tag us while you're listening. And yeah, make sure you check out all of Mickey's work. She has so many incredible offerings that we talk about on the podcast, including an app. She's hosting retreats this year. So much, so much good stuff. So check out the show notes. And yeah, I'll let you guys enjoy the conversation. Thank you for being here and enjoy Mickey Ash. Well, here we are. Mickey Ash, how are you? I am so good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for for having me over your in your home. It's an honor. And um, for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm I'm really excited excited about this. Um, I have been on this journey of trying to learn more about the things that improve us, mind, body, spirit. And I know you are on the same journey. And Mm. I have this fascination with practices that end up translating over to things that improve like our career, our interactions, our relationships, right? Like taking Mm -hmm. it from one context, from the mat to a different place, right? And um, that's why I'm really excited to talk to you because I feel like you have such an interesting story and background in the way that you found yoga and what you've done with it and all your other incredible talents, photography, (laughs) um, breath work, meditation. Do you do Reiki as well? I'm Reiki certified. Okay. Yeah, but I don't like actively practice it. Gotcha. But you have it in you. I have it in me. <laughs> um, so I would love just to start out with hearing a bit about your story and how you found yoga and how it kind of all fits into what you're doing today. Sure. Um, my name is Mickey. Um, I was born and raised in LA in Los Angeles, California. And my whole family is in the fashion industry, very eclectic and bohemian and creative and definitely not like your average family, um, which lended to me always being really creatively expressive. And I'm an artist above everything else and always have been. And that definitely translates into everything that I do. Um, so I always thought I was going to be in the fashion industry. And, um, I, after high school, I, moved to Paris and had an internship with a clothing company and it just like chewed me up and spit me out. I wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I went to New York and was going to school there. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I definitely was not healthy at all. Um, I never took care of myself. I was dealing with a lot of 
depression and honestly, even like suicidal thoughts. Like I was not in a good place. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't eat well and didn't exercise. Mm -hmm. And I just felt super lost and confused. And I was in, you know, a bad relationship and just like seeking so much outside of myself and wondering like why I just couldn't get it right or feel good. What age were you at this time? I was, um, I just turned 18. Mm -hmm. I was still a baby. And um, so I went home for summer break. I thought I was just going and coming back to school. And my dad told me, you know, I'm not going to pay for you to go to school and live in New York. Like, if you want to go to college, you can go to community college. And I was just like, my world is over. I'm not going to community college. How dare you? Like, you know, in my naive mind, I thought that was just like the Mm -hmm. lowest of the low. I just couldn't fathom. Um, And so I felt like I was starting at zero. Like all my friends were in college and, you know, living out of home. And I was back home living with my parents, no job, no, you know, out of this bad relationship, just like, what am I going to do with Mm -hmm. myself? No clue. And one of my friend's moms, she was always very holistic and she encouraged us, you know, like you girls are not taking care of yourself. You should probably go do some yoga. And I was never athletic growing up. So it was very challenging for me. Um, I was, like I said, an artist. So all my friends were like on sports teams and doing dance and surfing. And I was just like drawing in my notebook um, and like sucking. I would make every excuse not to run the mile in PE. Same. <laughs> so bad. So yoga was the first physical practice where I finally felt like I don't have to be good to show up. And it met me where I was at. And that gave me permission to be bad. Like it's, you know, it was the first time I was like, I don't have to be as good as the person next to me. And it doesn't matter. I can be as good as I am right now and still keep coming back and getting better without the competition aspect, which, you know, when you're a kid growing up, it's a lot of that of team sports and whatever. Mm -hmm. So this was really the first time that I felt like I could show up as bad and messy as I was and still feel good afterwards. And that was really pivotal for me. Um, I didn't at the time understand what the link was between doing this class and then feeling so good afterwards. And Mm -hmm. it just sparked a curiosity in me. And um, I was going to a donation studio because I literally had no money. I was like, fake putting money in the donation box, like trying to be sneaky about it or like crumpling a $1 bill. So it looked like more. (laughs) Finally, the guilt just got the best of me. And I just went up to the teacher and was like, Hey, I can't afford to pay every class that I want to come to, but I really want to be here and like learn more. Mm -hmm. And he could see that I needed the practice. And he really just fostered that curiosity, which was a godsend. And he's, his name is Dan Ward. He still teaches at power yoga, I think in Santa Monica. Um, and he's the one who said, you know, Mickey, go do a teacher training. I didn't know what a teacher training was or that I could ever be a yoga teacher. You yeah. know, it's just so outside of my scope of possibilities that I never thought that was a path that I would want to take. How long had you been this was around the same age, 18, mm-hmm. 19. So in 18 LA. in LA. Um, so I, gra- I'm, I was always young for my like class. So I graduated at 17 and then went to Paris and New York mm-hmm. 
and came back to LA and I was 18 by then. And so this is like six months after I started practicing. I just like felt a huge change in my life and like my happiness, honestly. Um, (laughs) Blew her little nose. (laughs) My dogs are here. Um, And so, yeah, I just, I signed up for Q training. I was like, where did you do yours? And he's like, do it right here, uh, Yoga Co. So I reached out to them. (laughs) and um you know teacher trainings are thousands of dollars and like I said I couldn't afford it so I was just like what can we do you know this is what I can offer so I painted murals for the studio I gave them canvases and I worked at the front desk in exchange for the the teacher training so I was like I just need to do something with myself and like this is what is like calling me so I just followed that. I really, yeah. um, and I still do to this day to like make decisions and all that stuff. Um, so I did the teacher training and I was in LA for about a year and I just was so over it. I didn't want to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica, moved there. And that's when I really started teaching like full time. <laughs> Let me get the ball for her. <laughs> So yeah, when I moved to Costa Rica, I was, um, I just turned 20 at that time and, um, I was teaching like three times a day. I just always teaching and I really like developed my Mm -hmm. teacher's voice and felt comfortable during that time of just like constant practice, you know? Um, I was there for like a year and a half, got into a really bad motorcycle accident among a few other traumatic experiences there. Came back to L.A. um, for, like, quite a while in L.A. um, in Venice, teaching yoga. And then that's when I started to kind of... Actually, I guess I started my social media when I was in Costa Rica, but Mm -hmm. I was posting pictures of, like, bugs and, like, (laughs) sunsets with every filter and frame possible. So it was not like... like, when you scroll far enough back on everyone's Instagram, they're all using, like that filter that makes the outside of it oh, like, yeah. really dark. Every frame. Yeah. I loved it. And we were Couldn't like, yes, amazing edits. I know. <laughs> this is so good. It has to be shared. Um, and yeah, when I got back to LA and was practicing, that's when I started doing Ashtanga, which was is a very rigorous and dedicated yoga practice. And that's when I feel like my practice changed from being kind of basic to like, taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started getting into social media and I started sharing me doing these poses and I was traveling and I've always loved photography. So it was just mm-hmm. a very natural expression of everything that I love and just combined. And yeah, the growth at that time, you know, seven plus years ago was a totally different experience. Yeah. Um, and so it grew really quickly. It was one of the first, I guess, bigger yoga accounts Um, and that lasted for a while. And then I just got, I felt like I was stuck in a box. Like my account was Mickey Ash yoga for a while. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm so much more than just yoga. Like I love travel. I love food. I love fashion. I love all these other different aspects. And so I nixed the yoga and it's just Mickey Ash. And here we are, I guess. I was living in LA pretty much consistently until 2019. And then I bought, I sold everything, 
bought a one-way ticket to Asia, and my partner and I traveled for about two years, just total nomads, living out of a carry-on suitcase, just like no plan except where the world's going to take us. We ended up in South Africa in Cape Town, which was absolutely a dream until COVID and then it was the opposite. It was not right. not livable. Did you get like stuck there? We got stuck there. Um, the country, they shut down the borders. They closed the airports. We called the U.S. Embassy, and they like laughed in our faces. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Maybe in September. And this was in March. Right. And I was like, I'm just I'm sit- a sitting duck here. Like, I can't do anything. And, and so my partner, he convinced the Dutch government to let us on their repatriation flight. It ended up being like almost like 60 hours of straight travel. It was a lot. And and then we got back to LA and just booked it to Austin. I've been here since. Wow. So you came here in March or like April? Mm -hmm. So we were stuck in Cape Town for like six weeks. Oh wow! And um, yeah, you know, and at that time everything was so uncertain. Oh my god, we yeah. really didn't know was what was like, going to happen. Yeah. It was kind of terrifying, yeah. <laughs> but didn't want to be in Cali and had been to Austin prior and just had such a good experience here um, that we knew. So we just drove the car, and here we are, almost two years later. Wow, you came. I feel like you came here also like before the mass like I, I was here before Joe Rogan let me yeah, just so get you're that OG. <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, yeah it's funny because in the past year it's like everyone got the memo that like Austin's a place to be especially comparing to LA yes and it was like everyone was getting out um so when you like started to kind of take your yoga practice to the next level what were you noticing was the difference like what what was it called again the ashtanga ashtanga okay mm-hmm. so when you start doing that like before that what was the yoga practice about it was like I look back and a lot of it was pretty ego driven at the time like I wanted to like nail the fancy poses and like you know have a better body like mm-hmm. I just wanted to like feel good um and then but I wanted more than just these vinyasa classes like I felt like there was something deeper mm-hmm. um and so uh, at the time I was teaching art at an elementary school and so I was like so exhausted by the end of the day I couldn't practice like there was no way after dealing with kids for that long yeah. that I could like then do more so I had to get up super early and there was a vinyasa class and an ashtanga class at 6 a.m like okay well I've done this one so what's this one and I go in and the teacher first thing she says to me is are you ready to dedicate to this practice every day and I was just like "Uh, okay yes (laughs) I'm ready and so yeah I was practicing like five six days a week from like six to nine a.m if I could be there that long obviously I was working so I'd be there for like at least an hour and a half if not two hours or more Mm -hmm. on the days that I had and yeah it's it's not a lead class. So the difference is there's a teacher in the room um, for some of it, but you learn your own sequence. And then once you hit a pose, you haven't mastered yet. Like you have to keep practicing until the teacher says, okay, you can do the next pose. So you're in there and you're doing the same sequence every day, which is very rigorous. And you have to just sit there with yourself and your thoughts Mm -hmm. and all of your resistance and you know, just be there with you. And, you know, there were moments where 
I was like, I just got so frustrated or, you know, wanted to like cry. And it's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to run away? Like, I just have to sit here and overcome the doubt in my mind, the judgment, the whatever expectations. And, um, yeah, it was the discipline was really, um, transformative for me because it's a set sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to just do it the way it is. It's super traditional. And then the rigor of the poses is also way more advanced than you'll get in a typical vinyasa class just Mm -hmm. because, like, you'll get attention from the teacher. So it's a safer practice than just telling, like, a bunch of random people to put their foot behind the head. Like, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And, yeah, just the length and how often I was doing it. My body transformed from just what I was able to do, like physically, um, and flexibility and strength. And, but then, you know, everything can be taken too far. And I had another teacher who pushed me too far because I was super flexible and like Mm. my back is still fucked up like seven years later. Yeah. Just like trying to get into an extreme pose or hold or a wheel pose, right. in the back bend. Mm -hmm. So I was in wheel, but grabbing my ankles from behind. That makes sense. Yeah. And then going into foot behind the head. And I just like messed up my back and then got on a 24 hour flight to Israel, like sitting on a plane. So the whole recipe was a disaster. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's like, it basically started to connect the, not only were you doing like a physical activity, it was also like sitting and meeting your whole self. Yes. And that's like, it was really the mind body connection. Yeah. And do they, did they like, that was part of the, the training too was, was there a part of a training that was like handling that resistance that's like created by the mind or it was more like your personal experience through like this being really hard. Yeah. No one was like, here's what you do when you feel resistance in your mind. It was just kind of like, you have to figure it out for yourself. And that's what I took away from it. Yeah. And had you been, had you like been meditating before that? This was like, okay. No, I was really, really resistant to meditating for a long time. Um, Maybe it's my Scorpio nature, but I was just like, there's just too much darkness in my mind for me to like deal with. I was like, I'm just going to shove it down and like deal with it later. And that was the old method, which obviously doesn't work because everything comes bubbling up Mm -hmm. and... Um, yeah, I was just really scared to sit with myself. I didn't know what would show up and I didn't feel equipped to deal with whatever those thought demons were. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, everything comes to a breaking point and I'd got to a point in my life where like, I knew I needed to change something and meditation. It's like, there's always magic in the resistance and I was yeah. resisting it so much and I knew I needed it. And it was another, it was a friend who really kind of like called me out on my bullshit and mm. was like, you need to meditate. <laughs> you know, I came up with every excuse. He's like, here's the app, download mm. it, sit and listen to it. Like there's no excuse, just yeah. do it. So yeah, it another transformational yeah. practice. And what did you like, in, if you remember like those first when you started to notice like meditating was doing something like what was happening in Mm. your mind and body when you started to explore that? I just started to feel like a shift in how I related to my thoughts. I used to just feel totally powerless over my thoughts. I felt like they controlled me and I had no say in the matter. 
And meditation creates this space that we need instead of feeling so rigidly attached to our identity, our thoughts, our emotions. It creates this space so that it's you can observe them without it being you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my relationship to my thoughts and thought patterns started to shift because I developed a new awareness to them that they didn't have so much power over me. And in fact, the more I witnessed what was going on, the less like scary and overwhelming being in my mind was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's the perfect way of describing it because it's just like the moment you change you realize that you can be like almost this third person observer Mm -hmm. of what's happening to you totally and I think that's one of the most powerful shifts is like to find a situation where that occurs and then the more that you do that you you're it's the space it's the perfect way to describe it you're just creating a little bit of time and even like energy between the moment that you like react or mm-hmm. let the thought feeling guide your behavior and like the choice of what you're going to do with it. Yes. Exactly. And I have found the same concept applies to like, this is like when you take your meditation practice and the lessons you've learned to the real world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when we're thinking about our like ideas or perceptions or our opinions and th- those of other people, you start to realize like they can sort of live independently. They can like, you know, exist as two separate things where you're not so attached to it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you're able to slow down and like give yourself the grace, give other people the grace to like figure out what they're saying. What are you Mm -hmm. saying? (laughs) And like that has been the biggest shift is like, that's why I find that's the intersection of, like spirituality, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, like wellness with how do you actually like take it to the real world? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think all of this really amazing, like spiritual inner journey stuff gets really like in our heads. And it's like, I was listening to um, this guy, Sadhguru went on the Rogan podcast mm-hmm. recently. I don't know if you listened to the yeah. episode. Yeah, it was so good. It was really good. At the same time, I, I remember being like, sometimes when we're talking about like these, it's like the general word is like spirituality, Mm -hmm. oneness, yoga, whatever. We're really focused on like, it feels like this. And it's like when a flower, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And it's like, okay, this is really good. But also like, how do you take that so that you become like a very grounded contributing like member to society. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're not just like up floating in the clouds. Yes. And I'm curious like what that looks like for you or just what you've noticed from like taking it from the like we're floating feeling good this is like beautiful poetry is life (laughs) life is poetry (laughs) into okay I can actually like harness this to be like a better person to be a better partner whatever it is totally I relate to that a lot because like I grew up in LA right it's like a city that's like a industry town and if we're not like secluded in the Himalayan mountains where we can just mm. go meditate for eight hours a day, like we are a part of society. We have to make money to pay rent and like exist in right. the world. And I like, 
I, I want spirituality to be practical and applicable because mm-hmm. we need to have a consciousness practice to be able to function optimally in society. Because if we're just moving through life totally unaware, which like the majority of people are, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming and we don't have the capacity to handle the stresses of life as we do when we are aware of ourselves and our emotions and reactions. And I mean, I, this theme of duality comes up a lot in my practice and just in life. Like we're always trying to balance, right? Like how much are we going out? How much are we staying in? How much are we working? How much are we resting? And it's the same thing with like being flighty and grounded. It's like if you're too rooted to earth and you're heavy and you're not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. but if you're up in the clouds, like you're just going to float off and drift away. So I think that just like we have two hands, right? It's both are necessary, Mm -hmm. like in having a meditation practice and then being able to take it and apply what you've learned, which is awareness into your your, um, interactions with other people. Um, So how do I practice that? I mean, I feel like I just try to live like a day-to-day life, but I'm just more aware of myself in the moment and less expectations, less reaction, more responses. Um, And just, you know, having like your own grounding practices, which is going to look different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And it also changes just as we move through life. Like there was a period of time in my life where I was meditating twice a day for 20 minutes and it was amazing and I'm not doing that right now and like I feel the difference Mm -hmm. but I'm not like attached because that takes me out of you know what does that make sense I know exactly what you mean yeah it's like being flexible with your practices but also dedicated enough so that it's consistent in your life yeah no 100% and it's like actually this is something I just recently started to shift for myself was when I do get busy, right, it's just a normal part of at least the Western way of life is yes, like, very go, much go, go, so. hustle. Like it's, you know, there's there's more balance being created, but sometimes you have a busy back-to-back day. Mm-hmm. And Today. <laughs> yes, right? And I think it's like there's this saying or idea in Zen Buddhism that's like, in the mundane, nothing is sacred, but in the sacred, nothing is mundane. Mm, I love that. And the first time I applied it was actually to um, walking my dog because I, it, she's like a medium-sized uh, poodle and she has so much energy. And so I have to take her for like an hour in the morning whenever I'm home in, in Puerto Rico. So I take her to the beach and we run around. And every once in a while I'll be like, God damn it, like an hour <laughs> in my morning, yes. like this is so annoying. And then I was like, this is her livelihood. Like this is the dog's entire life. Like she deserves to be exercised and walked and to have fun. Like she's a young puppy. And it's like, I was like, oh, this is sacred for my dog. And I was like, why don't I treat this Mm. moment like a sacred activity? And then the same thing now I've been applying it to my work day or my work week when I feel really busy is just fully like, if I'm literally just sitting in front of the computer, I'm just like, this is sacred. I'm working. I'm yes. creating value. Yes. I'm emailing someone yes. something important. <laughs> like, like almost romanticizing when we are in the busy state. Mm-hmm. Because if not, we like guilt ourselves for not doing the like self care for not yeah, doing the totally. meditation practice. Right. When you say this, it reminds me of an instance I had. I remember, like, I, just when I was starting teaching yoga, I asked this 
I was taking a class, I asked the teacher, like, how often do you practice yoga? And she was like, all day, every day, yoga is a lifestyle. And I was just like, fuck this bitch. Like, <laughs> what are you saying? Like, I want to know how many classes a week you're taking. Like, I didn't have that awareness mm-hmm. yet. And, you know, this was like 10 years ago. Now I understand what she means by that. And it really is like the practice of yoga, of meditation starts to seep into every other area of your life. And I started to notice more patience, more understanding of not only myself, but other people. Mm. And it just gave me more empathy, more clarity, just a tap, an easier way to tap into love. And, and feeling good about myself shows up in every area of your life, yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of what you're doing. If you're in a nine to five, if you work for yourself, if you don't work at all, like mm-hmm. loving yourself, feeling good about who you are makes everything else so much more possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it kind of speaks to like the spiritual ego where, because these things have become so accessible that they're also becoming like, it's like the one upmanship. Mm-hmm. My favorite uh, my favorite way that I've heard this explained is through Alan Watts, like my favorite writer, speaker. I listen to him all the time. But he would talk about like the spiritual one-upmanship. And it's mm. like, this yogi is more is better at yoga than this one. And this <laughs> class is more grounded. And like we make a competition mm-hmm. out of even not being in competition. Like yes. everything ends up being, well, I'm more accepting than this person. And I'm <laughs> I'm more like you know, I'm more open than those people are. And it's like, okay, we're missing the point here mm-hmm. that it's like, it's not about always like upping yourself to the next level. I feel like the most, and it's like, again, we're losing this language of the most profound, but it's like the way that it really becomes integrated is when it's an everyday thing. And you're mm-hmm. like, not looking at it like, shit, I didn't get my 20 minutes in this morning. I'm behind or yeah. I'm not going to be as zen today. Like yes. I didn't do the thing. And it's like, that's actually against the whole kind of point of it. Totally. I mean, there is a million different ways that we can practice self-care, but if, if it turns from the intention of actually caring for yourself into a to-do list, then you're like, okay, I need to meditate. I need to journal. I need to do my gratitude. I need to dry brush. I need to oil pull. Oh my God, like where is my dry brush? And then it becomes more stressful than what the intention is, which is to make yourself feel better and to take care of yourself. One um, quote that I love from Red Hawk, the book is called Self-Observation, which I highly recommend is no effort towards consciousness is ever wasted, Mm. which is nice to just almost have that like permission. It's like, we're not perfect people, you know, we're just humans like trying to figure it out. And it's okay if we miss a day of meditation and it's not like the work that you've already put in has gone to waste. Right. So I try to keep that in mind because, you know, life happens Mm -hmm. and it is challenging to make time when... Being busy is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Celebrated? Yes. Yeah, 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 totally. Right. And we're like guilted for not, you know, being this, doing that. Like, oh, this person's like the comparison just is so. Taking time for myself instead of like being productive for someone else. Totally. Yeah. I really feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, I mean, it's clear from your story, like you have been able to 
transmute or like translate pain and suffering mm. into something really not productive, but just moving you forward and keeping you going. And I would love to hear more about that experience and how these practices really aided. And even like, if you remember a specific instance of when it felt like you were able to understand your pain and suffering and maybe, and it doesn't have to be in like the, like we all have different life is suffering supposedly, <laughs> yeah. right? Like we all have a different oh, yeah. something going on, right? Definitely. It's different, a different spectrum, right? Or that's a big spectrum, but yeah. Like how, what that looked like sure. and felt like for you. Um, attachment and non-attachment is huge. And, you know, it all boils down to awareness and how much are we attaching the pain and suffering to our identity and making it a part of our story? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, are you allowing this experience to define who you are and how you show up moving forward? Or can it just be an interesting thing that happened? Mm -hmm. um, I feel super fortunate that I had a teacher named George Falcon. He's since passed, but he taught me some amazing tools and to, and helped me develop an emotional awareness. Um, one thing he liked to say is, you're not your emotions, right? You're not your thoughts. You're not your foot. You have a foot, but you're not your foot. Like mm. You experience anger, but you're not anger. So why do we say, I'm angry or I am anxious? You yeah. know, it's like, oh my God, I am anxious. I'm making it a part of who I am. And so he would always say like, just imagine emotion as like a little fly flying by. And, oh, there's anger. There it goes. Like here yeah. it comes and there it is, you know? And it's like, it's as easy as that. And just like we've been talking about, it's like these small mental shifts, like just changing how you relate to things creates a huge yeah. shift in your experience. And so instead of like um, feeling, <laughs> Blue's just like rumbling over there. Anytime that, let's say, like you're experiencing anger, frustration, like whatever, any negative emotion, you know when you're feeling bad. Mm -hmm. First, identifying like, okay, this is when I'm feeling like I allow myself to feel this way. Feel it. Let it move through you, but don't attach it. And then I allow myself to let it go. It's as easy as that. And people will be like, but how do you let go? And be like, all right, everyone. Hold your pen. <laughs> Hold it as hard as you can. Hold it so much your nails are digging into your hand. It's hard. It's hard to hold on. And now, let it go. It's like, ah, oh, it is that easy. We just make up all these rules yeah. in our mind that it has to be a certain way or you have to do this, this, and this to let it go. But it's like, just let it go. Yeah. And it's our conditioning of holding on to things and making it a part of our identity and story that it's heavy. It's hard yeah. to hold on to stuff. To hold on to grudges eats away at you, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a practice of being okay letting go because it's a lot of ego attached to like. Yeah. Anytime I would be like get in a fight with someone or like growing up, my mom or whatever it is, like. I just, I would want to hold on to the anger, but you know, I'm angry. Mm. I'm angry right now. Like, let me be angry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I almost didn't want to give the other person the satisfaction of being okay. But at the end of the day, it's like, I was the one who was dealing with the negative experience of being angry instead of just letting it go, 
moving on and being happy. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it can sound so simple, but it, it really, it kind of is that simple it sometimes. Can, because well, that's like the caveat of it. Yeah, it's like, it actually is yeah. that simple. We just like to complicate everything. Yes, totally. And <laughs> the identity piece is so huge because it's like, I think we freak out that if we let go of an emotion or a thing that we've been feeling or identifying with for so long that we don't know who we are anymore. Or it's, it's that somehow we were wrong and we don't like to be wrong. Yes. Right. And it's like, you can, your feeling can have been valid and justified in the moment, but it's like, we also can understand that harboring that for a long time is not actually helping anybody. And Mm -hmm. on the contrary, it's actually hurting you like physically, right. Body keeping the score and others around you. Like it gets taken out on everybody Mm -hmm. else. Yeah, totally. I like to think of like our thoughts and emotions are created in our brain, right? The brain is just an organ. It's just a pattern of energy, a different frequency. And energy by its nature wants to move. It's constantly Mm -hmm. buzzing. We are not physical. Like we think we are, that's our perception, but we're really space, right? Everything is constantly moving. It's vibrating down to a subatomic level. And we're trying to manipulate and cage this energy that just wants to move and transform. It wants to go from angry to happy to Mm -hmm. sad. Like we experience the full range of human emotions. And like, that's an amazing quality that we have to be able to feel so deeply. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're just trying to hold on to something and and make it stuck in the body and like stop its natural flow and progression. And anytime stagnation happens, stagnation breeds disease, right? We want to have good circulation so that our blood is moving through our body. So we're getting nutrients through our Mm -hmm. body. And if you get stuck, then you get a blood clot and like, that's not good. Mm. You see a stagnant pool of water, it breeds mosquitoes. That's not good. So we want everything to flow through us. So that's why, you know, the the saying, feel it to heal it. It's Mm -hmm. like, feel it, get angry, get sad, cry, scream, like feel the emotion, Mm -hmm. but then move on. Yeah. Have you seen the show Ted Lasso? Yes. I you love, how, love that show. He's so good. Yeah. It's so cute and funny. Um, but he's like, be a goldfish. Goldfish have a memory of three seconds and yeah. then just like, let it go. Yeah. I, I like to think of that. It's yeah. Funny. I love that. Yeah. And it's like, it just, I think it's, it's interesting why it's so hard for people at first. And I do think the conditioning is part of it because it's like, it's a big shift to in your adult life whenever this shift happens for you, but it really fundamentally changes the way that you look at the world and your relationship with it. When you go from, I am this label, I am that, I'm a podcaster, I'm a content creator, I'm mm-hmm. a whatever. And then suddenly you go, I am. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And that is like a huge shift that is really terrifying because suddenly there's no box or label or like stringing of words (laughs) to somehow describe you. And that's scary at first because it's like, what am I then? Yes. And to feel grounded in just, I am Mm -hmm. and just what you are is I think really freeing. And I'm curious what this 
statement I am means to you. Like when, if you remember like a profound moment of feeling it and sort of your interpretation of that. Well, we kind of touched on duality, right? There's right, there's left, there's masculine, there's feminine, there's dark, there's light. But there's this third aspect that's the union of both, the acceptance of both. It's the trinity. So there's right, there's left, but then there's center. There's past, there's future, but then there's now. You know, Mm -hmm. there's male and, and female, but then there's the genderless. There's the timeless, the ageless. And that's really the I am, right? Like we're constantly trying to battle how masculine am I? How feminine am I? Or how much work do I do versus how much play? And it's like there is this other... Um, entity, this other existence, and that is I am. That's the acceptance of the duality Mm -hmm. so that they're no longer in resistance to one another. Um, If you're interested in more of that, uh, there's a school of yoga called Katona. The woman who founded it, Naveen, is an absolute, like, incredible source of information and that's where I learned a lot of these different theories and principles highly recommend doing a deep dive I find it so fascinating um but yeah it's I wanted to talk a little bit like about I I think the challenge in letting go of our identity comes from a lack mentality Mm -hmm. versus one of abundance right like In America specifically, like we have equated success to things and money and status and we want to acquire and accumulate and have more so that we're not left without. But when we shift to an abundance mindset, the more I let go, the more I receive. So I don't need to hold on to anything because I'm in a place of trust that the universe is going to take care of me. And I know that sounds woo, but like if I trust that I'll be okay, everything Mm -hmm. is okay. But if I feel like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it or I'm not, I don't have enough. I have to like hold on to everything and every emotion and every possession, Mm -hmm. like, but that's heavy. And I think that um, contributes to our ability to let go and to just be. Yeah. So we have to define everything around us. And, you know, our brains are binary, right, left brain. Like it's how we process information just to make it easier for ourselves. Like we categorize things mm-hmm. right, wrong, yes, no, good, bad. And so it's, we're not taught to just accept things as they are. We want to categorize and organize and store the information so that we can draw upon it. But that's just so that we can function in society. You know, there's Mm -hmm. this conversation. What we're talking about is all about like transcending Mm -hmm. the dysfunction of the normal experience because there is another way of existing and being. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it sounds woo woo to say like oh trust and like things will come but think about what you're actually what that actually translates to right in your real life like I think this is what people miss about like manifestation work and just these shifts into like kind of the energetics of giving receiving like those types of things is like if you're in a mindset where you are trusting you've released you know, control, so to speak of like, not that you don't care about life, but Mm -hmm. that you've like, 
You're not trying to micromanage yeah, every so experience. Exactly. Yeah. You're not like obsessively checking like, did mm-hmm. this person get back to me? Did mm-hmm. I get this email? All these things. When you shift away from that into, let's say, the abundance mindset, your actions every day change. And yeah. of course, it's the balance of, you know, being in receiving mode, but also in action mode where we cultivate, you know, quote unquote success or we like reach our goals. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you wake up thinking today's going to be fucking awesome and I'm going to have an amazing interaction, I'm have a great conversation with Mickey on the podcast and I'm going to, you know, really have a productive day later when I have to do this thing. And you're going into it then when I sit and have this conversation, I'm here and I'm excited and like open to how it could go. And then later when I'm thinking about the other to do that I have to accomplish, I'm bringing in the energy that is going to take everything to a higher quality. Mm -hmm. And it's like, then if you know, you have to go meet someone or you're trying to create an opportunity and it relies on this other person, you know, perceiving you a certain way, it's like, well, they're going to perceive you better if you are lighter and open Mm -hmm. and, and cultivating that like really warm heart mind connection. (laughs) And it's like, it's real. It is. It's not just like Mindset in your is head. everything. It's yeah. so true. I mean, it boils down to like our belief systems, right? And like we develop our beliefs at such a young age that we're not consciously choosing our mm-hmm. beliefs. We're inheriting what our parents tell you, you know, or what society tells you or what your school teachers tell you. And we create all these like rules about life and how we are and what we can and can't do. And a lot of times as adults, we never take the time to examine our beliefs about Mm. life and the world. And, you know, that comes down to like, for example, I was just waiting for this. For example, um, you know, do you have the belief that people, that strangers are dangerous and the world is an unfriendly place to be? Like, is that your core belief? Mm -hmm. And then when you go out into the world, what's your experience? It's that people aren't opening doors for you. And like, you know, you get splashed with water by someone driving by or like whatever it is, the Mm -hmm. world feels unfriendly because you believe that it's unfriendly. Mm -hmm. But when you believe that the world is a friendly place and people are supportive and kind, then you go out into the world and someone holds the door open for you because that's your belief that people are friendly and kind and that's going to be your experience. And if we're unaware of our beliefs and don't take the time to see if they actually support us in life, like Mm -hmm. if you think that the world is a dangerous place, then you're not going to leave your house. And like, what kind of a life is that? Mm -hmm. But making time to really identify what those are and like, do you believe that today is going to be a really horrible day and then you go out and everything is horrible? Or like you said, do you say to yourself, today is a great day. Mm -hmm. Today is a really good day. And then when you feel that, like it shows up for you. We're just like little magnets, but we have to tune our frequency to what we want to receive. Mm -hmm. But we're so conditioned to like focus on everything that we don't want to have happen. And then we keep experiencing that and wondering why. And it's just like this repetitive cycle. Yeah. That's unconscious. And that's what this consciousness is. It's awareness. It's understanding the thoughts that are playing on in the background of your mind. And if it's not a good thought and you know because it doesn't feel good, then what can you do to prune that thought just like a weed and replace it with something you do want to grow inside of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the subconscious mind, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I think it's also recognizing when, 
maybe the story belief you formed came from a real experience, right? Because that's a lot of times what it is, right? It's like we had... But is it your experience? Yes. Yeah, the true. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. And it's like, you know, maybe it came from, you know, some real childhood trauma shit, like Mm -hmm. where you started to not, you know, you never felt worthy or you had a, a parent that just, whatever it was, like created a dangerous environment. So it's like from a young age, we tell mm-hmm. that story, but it's like, we have the option after we've experienced that to choose a different story and yes. shift it. Right. And yes. it's like, I was just thinking about that recently, how like I've been traveling alone. I mean, I'll like see people where I go, but I'm like mm-hmm. traveling alone a lot. And how I was like, I just assume that things are going to be great. Like, I'm just like, I'm good. No reason to not trust this person. Obviously, like, pay attention to gut feelings Mm -hmm. in in situations. If something feels dangerous, like, I'm not going to ignore that. But it's (laughs) like, yeah, but it's like going into it, assuming the best. And even if something below, quote unquote, the best occurs, at least I've created space where I can handle a little bit differently. And it's like, that's, I think, the rewriting of the subconscious mind. And it's like, that can be so powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. the most I, powerful. Yes. I, yeah, right. The most powerful. Exactly. It's like, there's, um, you probably heard of this book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so good. it's so good. My, my brother gifted it to a couple of, like one of my siblings and my parents for Christmas and they were all reading it like over Christmas <laughs> while we were all together. Um, and interestingly though, I feel like that these concepts of the subconscious mind, sometimes people feel resistant to it because it's tied to, you kind of have to like buy in or be open to the, I mean, it's a belief thing, right? Which belief can sometimes equate to like a religion thing or like Mm. a spirituality thing Mm -hmm. or woo woo, whatever the word is. But it's like, how do you know unless you shift something? And it's like the guy in this book tells the most crazy stories. Like there's, I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. the one about this father's, uh, his daughter is like really sick. And he used to say like, I would give my left arm for her to be better. Mm -hmm. And then, like, something crazy happens where they, like, he gets into he a car accident like, and his, like, literal he arm. Loses gets, his he arm. loses his arm. And then, but then she gets better, like, yeah. the same day. Yeah. And I read that and I'm like, okay, I don't, like, okay, obviously could be made up, don't really know. But it's also, like, why, what is the harm necessarily in, like, opening yourself up to these things being true? Like, what? Yeah. Well, I will tell you what I think the biggest resistance is because I've witnessed it in my own family, you know, Mm. family's greatest teacher, um, is being a victim, having a victim mentality means that you get to blame everyone else for your problems and it's always the other person's fault and it couldn't be anything that you did Mm. to have this experience. You know, it's always, this is happening to me. And there's no power in that. You're totally powerless. You're, you've given all your power away to everyone else around you because you're a victim. Mm -hmm. And while that might seem easier, it's actually not because you have no control over your experience Mm -hmm. versus taking personal responsibility. meanings owning up to your shit. And that's really hard for a lot of people to do Mm -hmm. because it challenges the ego. The ego wants to be right always. Yeah. 
I'm right, you're wrong. And when you have to re-examine how you've been living life because you know it doesn't feel good or it's not as good as it can be, you have to take ownership of everything that you've done to perpetuate that old story. Mm-hmm. But you have the power, you get to rewrite it now. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really hard for people to accept that responsibility for themselves. And yeah. so it's, you know, kind of like the easy way out is to just be a victim. And it's comfortable because they know it, you know, it's predictable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you take control of your own life, like, you're choosing your destiny mm-hmm. and that kind of power can be scary for some people. Yeah. I think that they don't choose it, Yeah, but it's always available to yeah. everyone. Of course. Yeah. I mean, kind of speaking to that, when did you, that shift from going to like, you know, I'm the victim, things are happening to me. Like my life is a mess, whatever. When did you sort of like discover that 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 switching to an ownership mentality Mm -hmm. felt like it was starting to change your life. Yeah, definitely through the practice of yoga. Like that was the first time I really got that experience of like, I was seeking outside of myself for happiness and validation. Mm -hmm. I wanted other people to tell me that I was doing okay. You know what I mean? Or like I was getting my happiness from someone else. And through the practice of just showing up consistently, like I wasn't going to yoga for a spiritual experience. It was a byproduct. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go because I was like so unhealthy and knew I needed to exercise, like move my body. And through just showing up, it's... I realize, oh, I am in control of how I feel. I get to decide. Happiness is something that's created inside. And Mm -hmm. so that was, and then, you know, that was through the physical experience and then through meditation is really when it got juicy. Mm, Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I wrote something down after class this morning because I had this really cool feeling that happened where we were, it was near the end and um, basically we were, like sitting and doing a forward stretch, but we had our like knees in our armpits. Mm-hmm. And when I was in that position, I was like, I was like, the body is perfect. Yeah. I was like, I'm fitting inside yourself into this, like <laughs> a little puzzle piece. I know. It's so but beautiful. It, it was like really, it was a very small moment, but I was like, wow, like my body like knows how to like, work with itself and I felt very like united in my Mm. body and I was like oh this is why like yoga is a union like why you are aligning with something else and I mean to me that's showing me it's just the tip of the iceberg because I I feel like I've been really intrigued by um just getting back into the practice and just like I always watch your videos of all the like poses you do and the headstands, all these like crazy things that look crazy. But I'm like, it's so cool because you're creating. I mean, I should let you describe this. Like what is happening when you're in the hold or the pose or the inversion Mm -hmm. and like what is alignment? Yeah. What is that? Alignment. It's like literally, you know, we hear it kind of like in the spiritual aspect of like you're in alignment with yourself in the universe, but like physically your bones are aligned. Like you're, like you said, you're made to fit. Your knee fits your armpit. The ball, you know, the fist fits the hand. Mm -hmm. We're just a little puzzle piece. And so when you stack yourself in a way, I mean, look at us. Most, I'm just as guilty of it. We're like... (laughs) 
sitting hunched forward. We're down in our low back. It's like our hips are all fucked up. Yeah. I usually have like one leg over here, one shoulder over here, and like when we actually get our yeah. bones to fit into their places, then something as challenging as an inversion, blue, shh, becomes effortless because you're in alignment. Like headstand, I literally meditate in a headstand, which obviously it took effort mm. to get to the effortlessness mm. just through practice. But yeah, it's like one of my, I literally feel like I have no body when I hit that line. Like wow. I'm not working to find it. I'm just there. And it's like so freeing. That's amazing. Wow. Lots yeah. of practice. Oh, lots yeah. of falling, lots totally. of eating shit, you know, bruises mm -hmm. even. But yeah. at the end. But that's of what makes it mm -hmm. so, that's what makes the experience even more impactful is because you, you really had to like work to get there, right? Like yes. I think. Well, hi. Our third guest. <laughs> Do you have something to say? Yeah, she needs a mic. Oh, she <laughs> literally has come up to the mic. Oh my gosh. Smile. <laughs> She's, this is her show. This is literally. <laughs> um, I think the closest or like the feeling I've had of that similar thing is with dance um mm -hmm. and i started i started to shuffle shuffle dance a oh my god i saw one of your videos you're amazing thank you i love it i would ask so you to much. teach me but you would just laugh no oh my god I, i'm super down to teach you <laughs> okay because, you can try yeah, yeah. you can try <laughs> yeah yeah um but like that has been an experience similarly where it takes a lot of effort. To, we're just going to roll with it. Um, it takes a lot. <laughs> Honey, we're busy. Um, it takes a lot of effort and trial and error and even like frustration too. Yeah, there's a level of frustration and like a wall that you have to push through. Mm -hmm. I think with a lot of physical things, but in particular with things that fall into the category of you're doing like a, a body exercise workout thing, but it's also like art in mm. a way. And like yoga, I think falls into that dance for sure. And other types of movement where it's not just getting good at the movement. It's also feeling like it, like feeling the flow of it. Right. Like for me in shuffling, it's, when I have like the right song on and I've like mastered a couple moves and then I start to throw them together and then I develop my own flow and my own style. Oh my God. It's like, it's alignment. Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. And you're in flow. You're in your feminine. You're like in, goosebumps. yeah, you're just like receiving and being there in the moment. And mm. you're, it's almost like the concept of like your body is something to like manipulate is not even there. You're just doing it. And I think it's so important to find those things in life for like any, just whether it's, I'm trying to think of other activities that well, feel like, like our that. society is so focused on the intellectual, the mind. I have to think about everything. I have to analyze it. I have to judge it. You know, mm. you have to know what's coming and we've lost the art of the body, like using our hands. Everything is so uh, you know, on the screen, it's mm. like creating something moving. It's like, it's a lost art and one that's not like as encouraged to develop. I mean, I feel like it's shifting now, 
but just in general, it's like we're so heady yeah. that it's it's hard to get into the body because we're just like constantly thinking and processing information mm-hmm. that it is freeing to finally give the mind a break and just be, you know, yeah. integrate this whole vehicle that we have. This is just one organ. Like yeah. it's not that big compared to the rest of our body, right? Right. This is something I was like learning through listening to the Sadhguru episode mm-hmm. and like the study of yoga as like an ancient art and practice but actually practicing it right but actually practicing it yes and like that you can like study up on something and like learn all the things and whatever like in your teacher training you like Mm -hmm. have to you know you're learning a lot about like the The alignment and the poses and the vocabulary but Mm -hmm. none of it really matters until you actually Mm -hmm. like live it and just have it as a mind body spirit experience Mm -hmm. and it's like that i think applies to so much of like today what's being thrown at us of like learn this learn that here's how to manifest here's how to whatever (laughs) and it's like not everything has to be intellectualized like Mm -hmm. one of the things i always say is just some things are meant to just be experienced like you don't need to analyze it of course we're sitting here analyzing all these things but like (laughs) after you know in in real life it's about just being in that moment where you're like, wow, I have this really beautiful vessel that I incarnated into, or that is like (laughs) here to serve Mm -hmm. me for now. And I get to play with it and like connect these feelings. And what have you learned like from the ancient study of yoga? If you've like delved into that and like Mm -hmm. how, I guess in the more heady space, like how that has affected you but also like your own practice and style like maybe even your philosophy mm-hmm. um the first thing that comes to mind is the yoga sutras of patanjali and his definition of yoga is yoga is now and you know i when i was younger teaching like i wanted to do all these um advanced postures and i wanted to do inversions and like you know challenge my body but I wasn't present. Like I was Mm. thinking about how I was going to do the pose, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so there was always this like end goal. And I was like, I'm not good until then, you know, or like, I'm not happy until I have this, or I'm not good enough until I have that. Like that's the kind of storyline. And so when you shift to just yoga is now, that also translates to everything else in life because it is right now. Mm-hmm. Like the past is already behind us. It's dead. It's gone. It's our memories, our experiences. It's everything that's known. And the future never comes. It's always here. It's mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, the I, I read uh, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. as well. And the experience of being present, you can't describe it unless you experience it and it is the most expansive feeling because it is everlasting it's an eternal series of now it's not tomorrow it's still going to be now when it's tomorrow mm-hmm. and you know that has helped me with the attachment and also allowed me to just enjoy life for what it is because it's fleeting and I don't have to wait for an experience or a circumstance. I don't have to wait for a circumstance to experience Mm -hmm. joy or bliss or satisfaction. I can just choose to tap into that right now. Yeah. And now. 
And red and, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, tell me about your app, the how. I yes. last you put me to sleep last night. Oh, I listened to I, uh, I was like, this woman's voice mm. is so <laughs> angelic. It was listening to um, the it was like sleep, sleep affirmations, affirmations or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, I was like, wow, I didn't know there were so many like amazing like sleep rest related affirmations, <laughs> but um, I, I love your app. It's amazing. Thank it's so you. great to have like one place that kind of spans different practices, but to tell me about it. Yeah. How did you get the idea to, to make an app? Sure. Um, well it took like um, over a year of the developer kind of reaching out to me and being like, you should have an app and me experiencing imposter syndrome. Like who, who am I? Like, what mm-hmm. do I need an app for? But this was in LA before I started traveling. And then when I knew I wanted to leave, I wanted to not just abandon my students that I'd been teaching Mm -hmm. for so long. And so I was like, all right, well, this also gives me an opportunity to take the content that I was posting like on Instagram, like my flows and meditations, take it off the app. So I actually have ownership of it. It's evergreen because Instagram, it's like the moment you post something, it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. 0.5 seconds later. So this allowed me to create my own kind of like library and You know, when I started practicing 10 years ago, yoga wasn't like as popularized or normalized as it is now. And so I really felt like I had to seek a lot of answers and information and tools and practices. And I didn't know where to go. You know, it wasn't now we have so much access to so many different so much information, which is amazing, but can also be overwhelming. So my intention was to create a practical and applicable library of practices that you could just always have on hand. And I wanted them to be simple and effective. And like, this is what, (laughs) this is the practices that I've used to get from my starting point of like super depressed and unhealthy to happy and in love with myself and life and like feeling good. Um, and it takes practices and it's not just one, you know, you can't just do the same thing every day and expect it to work all the time, but it's sometimes I need a little of this and sometimes I need a little bit of that. And so the name, the how is I wanted it to be a little ambiguous, very general. Um, I was always getting asked, you know, how do I become flexible? Mm -hmm. How do I breathe? How do I do yoga? Like, and so it really just hit me one day. I'm like, this is the how. These are the practices that I've used. This is how I got from where I started to where I am. And yeah, I just wanted it to be beautiful because I want everything I make to be beautiful and um, just accessible to someone who's never done yoga or someone who has a practice and just Mm -hmm. wants to be guided instead of like coming up with it on their own. That's really cool. Yeah, that's it's very unique. I feel like thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, I mean, I am someone who's I'm honestly very like picky with my like if I'm doing a guided workout class of any kind, I'm like very picky about it. And I like love when I find someone who I'm like, oh, this is the right energy. They have yes. the right intention here. They're being themselves. They're not like making this like fabricated whatever, you know, yeah. all, the ex- all this extra stuff. And your app is totally that. And also just like your your presence too, like on, you know, Instagram and just in other ways that I've like witnessed you, I've always been really like, wow, like it's just nice when you feel so nice. the energy of the person is like aligned, you know? Good. Um, yeah. So where, where do you hope to take 
the app and, mm-hmm. and your work? Well, I definitely want the app to be more collaborative this year. Um, and instead of it just being me, because I only have what I know and I don't know anything, you know, I'm still learning and other people have so much to offer. So bringing in some other guest teachers like our friend Ava, who will do breath work. One of my friends, Bibi, will teach Tantra. My One of my girlfriends, Sophie, is going to do a superfood mm. series. So it's really just like a wellness lifestyle. And there's so many facets to wellness. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's what we're eating, it's the what yeah. we're consuming and how. So I want it to be just like a, a resource for all different areas of how to live a wellness lifestyle Yeah, in the modern world. <laughs> totally, yeah, making it accessible. Mm-hmm. But what's Tantra? I've heard about that before. Um, it's... Um, I guess energetic lovemaking, conscious sexuality. Wow. Yes. That is so cool. It's very fascinating. You'll yeah. have to uh, wait for the series. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I um, I just recently have been learning about, um, I'm working with this coach, shout out Ray Taff. Okay. I don't know if you know of her, but anyway, no. she um, teaches like, it's this, this program called... <clears throat> essentially embodied leadership methodology. Mm. And one of the things that we were learning about was what she calls sex magic. Ooh, okay. And I think it's, it's a similar thing. Um, but basically like specifically for women opening up this portal of like, for so many different things, right? Like one, one application is manifestation and like kind of thinking about like your visions and like your desires, like through this portal that you have, which is Mm. like pleasure, which is your body and Mm -hmm. like really tapping into the creator energy Mm. that we have. Yes. And it's so cool. It's so different than anything I've ever like learned about or like, you know, experienced through a coach. And it's so interesting because it's also so taboo and Mm -hmm. shamed and weird. And like, I just think for women in particular, Mm -hmm. God, are there so many stories about like, what you shouldn't, shouldn't do. Is this okay? Is this not like how you're supposed to blah, blah, blah. And it's like really interesting to break those down and to like incorporate it. And I think I've definitely like underrated the importance of my own, just like my body, my pleasure, like all of that stuff into the big picture of my life. So that's such an amazing fit for what you're doing. That sounds really, really cool. Yeah. If you're interested in learning more, um, her Instagram is at planet BB, B I B I. And she has different Tantra courses. And yeah, when I, um, I lead yoga retreats all over the world and she lives in Tulum. And, and so this was a few years ago, like maybe five years ago, she did a lecture for my, my students wow. and, uh, uh, intro to lovemaking one one or, and her, it blew my world. Like it yeah. rocked my world. I was just, blew my mind, rocked my world. Um, and it was just totally different than any information I'd ever been given before. And like, not to go on like a total tangent or anything, but like we learn how to have sex from watching porn. Like our parents aren't like giving us diagrams or telling us what to do. And like, yeah, I, I have a good relationship with my parents in that way. And we Mm. did talk about sex, but not like here's what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or you were given like, I was given the, um, there was like an American girl book and it was like, what was it called? It was, um, Oh my God, the name is so iconic. And like everyone who's gotten the book will remember immediately. It was like the, 
it was like your your body or something and it was like this colorful big book and i remember vividly when my mom gave it to me we were in the bathroom and she was like hey let's talk and i was sitting <laughs> on the toilet and she handed me this book and it was just like all these like stories and diagrams just about like girls' bodies and mm-hmm. like your oh I think it's called like your changing body or something. Oh yeah, cute. <laughs> that was like how I learned about like oh this is a vagina yeah. and this is like this and that. It was like really weird. and there was even like a thing about bras in there and it That's was so like funny. wire bra versus like a training bra. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm pretty sure a training, training bra. bra is a, just a bralette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just to train you for the pain of wires. That's so funny. Um, no, thank you. But yeah, we like really don't. I mm. feel like. At least we haven't in the past gotten that education. It's like so important to get that. Yes. Um, God, yeah, that's so important. Mm. So, okay, amazing. You're expanding the How app. Mm-hmm. And then um, you have retreats coming up this year. What yes. else is on the horizon for you? Um, I, yeah, oops. I'm doing two retreats right now. One is in Joshua Tree in May, and the other one is in Mexico this October. And all the info for that is at, is um, on openuphealing.com. I work with these two amazing, very conscious guys who have just helped me really bring this vision to life. I love retreats so much. They're so magical and so potent. What, um, do, you, what do you do on them? So what I love the most about them is like yoga classes, right? Like you had the experience, you had this beautiful reflection and, and, but then you just leave. Like Mm. I don't, selfishly, I'm like, (laughs) I don't get to like unpack whatever comes up. And like, I've had so many revelations in yoga classes and then I'm just like left to fend for myself out in the world, you know? And so retreats, it's like this safe space where you can just fully be yourself and it's just like a really deep dive um, for me as the, um, what's the word, like the teacher, I guess. Um, I see people day one arriving like unsure, scared, a little like, you know, self um, conscious or like intimidated, or definitely anxious, like usually like this, like mm-hmm. shoulders up, you know. Yeah. And then. By the end of the day, I just witness this letting go of these masks that we think we need to wear and like show up and just people like being their true selves and like feeling relaxed and taken care of and just like and the connections that are formed because we're having, you know, really meaningful experiences and being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it's not a place of judgment or competition. So you can just be and experience and learn new things and just witnessing the transformation is so fulfilling for me. I love it so much and just, yeah, being able to give people that experience that I always crave. So like I've been to like a million and a half events in LA where everyone's just like standing (laughs) by themselves on their phone. And it's like, can we talk about something? Like, who are you? How are you? And going beyond just like the mundane experiences that are so shallow and really like getting to the nitty gritty. But I love doing all those that deep dive like you know we're talking about these mindsets like we actually get a chance to like explore what are your beliefs and how Mm. are they showing up for you and um how can we change them to support you more and here's all the practices that you can take home with you to actually implement this into your life and now you've had the experience Mm. and you know it's possible for you so you're more likely to continue that when you go back into your day-to-day yeah that's sounds so amazing it's really like giving people the opportunity it's like you said what you kind of wish that you had when mm-hmm. you were first experiencing totally. all of it and like 
It, I, I, um, I recently went on a retreat in Sedona nice. in mid-February with Jenny. Oh, nice. Um, with Jenny Edition. Oh, and yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and it was just four days, but it was like, it's really special when you set the intention of I'm traveling, I'm leaving my home, mm-hmm. I'm going somewhere else with people that I don't <clears throat> know. Mm-hmm. And you really enter a weekend or a week of like intention and everyone is there to share and be mm-hmm. open and vulnerable. And it's like you in those experiences get to move through things that some people would take them years. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're so distracted in our day to day. We don't usually give ourselves the time to process what we're feeling. I mean, meditation definitely helps. But yeah, being guided and also like being fully taken care of, like how often do we get to just let go and let someone else like plan our whole day? Totally. And also they're usually in beautiful places (laughs) and like gorgeous hotels and, you know, around the world. So that that helps too. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. That sounds really, really exciting. Um, Wow. Well, I mean... This conversation has been really beautiful. I'd love to, if there's anything else you want to share or you want people to know Mm. or any, any Mickey wisdom that you want to lay upon (laughs) us, lay it now. (laughs) I just always love to remind people, like, let yourself be a beginner. It's like, you don't have to master everything right away. And we're so like, we want to just nail it. And like, we don't want to fuck up and, and mess up and like, be embarrassed, but like, it's okay. Like let yourself try something and fail at it and then try again like build that confidence within yourself. So like if you fall down, you know, you can pick yourself back up Mm. and just, yeah, as someone who like really started from zero in my yoga practice and like enjoy the process just let it unfold. Try not to attach to some end result. Like let yourself go along for the ride and, and give yourself permission to enjoy the ride. Like we're all just here on a ride of life. There's ups, there's downs, like just roll with it. (laughs) I love that. Well said. So beautiful and very, very important. That's, that's how you actually do it. Right. It's like, enjoy the journey. We're like so focused on, I need to get there. And it's like, no, but this is it. This is the journey. That's it. Like, Mm -hmm. Capital I-T. Like, this is it. (laughs) The journey is the destination. Yes. Amen to that. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I hope all the listeners enjoyed. You guys definitely check out all of Mickey Ash's stuff. I'm going to tag everything linked. Yeah. Um, Get in touch. I love connecting with whoever's out there. I'm always, I'm an open book. So if anyone has questions, just reach out and I'm here. Cool. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.